Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So over the past uh, year and a half now, 14 months, however long this kind of time of the pandemic has gone on, uh, churches and businesses and schools and all different kinds of corporations have gotten very creative with how they reach their people, with how they send their messages. Um, you know, different slogans and jingles have developed over the years, but there's been an extra sense of creativity, I feel, over the past year and a half now. Uh, some places have gone with a little more of a serious and heartfelt approach. Uh, others have used comedy as a way to uh, reach the people. And then, of course, others have found a combination, a sweet spot of both of those things. Well, this morning, um, I want to share with you uh, just some signs, some slogans, some creative ways that certain churches have found a way to interact with their people, to kind of reach them and even provide some helpful reminders about different practices that we've learned over the past year. Uh, these first three photos that you're about to see are from a church down in New Orleans that remind people in a creative way using actually the Word of God about social distancing and some other things. Uh, here's this first photo. It says, Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree to get a better seat. You remember that story about Zacchaeus climbing up to see Jesus? Well, this pew was not it. Reminding their people to perhaps move on to the next one. And then uh, this, this next photo kind of continues in that same vein. Quoting Jesus this time. You will find me when you seek me. Just not in this pew, so keep on moving. You know, in Lutheran churches, you probably say that in the front, because if you look around, there's no one here, so people keep seeking, but uh, I digress. Uh, now, for this next photo, before I show it to you, I want to let you know this church in New Orleans where they posted these signs, they're not Lutheran. However, I think this one is going to hit all of us close to the chest. Jesus said, take up my cross, not this pew. Now, uh, interestingly, for the past year and a half now, I have seen all of you come in and sit wherever the ushers have placed you. And I have watched you squirm when it's not a place that you are normal, used, used to sitting. You're seeing different angles of Pastor Mark and I. You feel a little uncomfortable, but you've done it. You've managed. It's been great. However, over the past three weeks now, all of you have slowly but surely remained and gone right back to the place that you would call your pew. So old habits die hard, but that's okay. You're back. It's good. Uh, now, this next one I actually think is a helpful reminder for people even after the pandemic. This is a sign that can probably go up periodically, so to speak. It's a good reminder for us in general. Jesus can wash away sin, but you still have to wash your hands. Good things, all medical practitioners, teachers, everyone, I think, agrees with that one. And this last one is, well, a more personal message that might look familiar to many of you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Love your pastors here at the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew. Um, I would like to note that if you look very closely, while I do agree with this message, it's very heartfelt, if you look very closely, the one who posted it is Mark Rico. So if you have any complaints or anything like that, you have his email. Feel free to let him know. <laughs> But uh, in this context, in the, in the idea of getting creative with signs and slogans, um, there are some that are just more memorable than others. For example, uh, when you hear, I'm loving it, you think of McDonald's. And when you hear, just do it, and you see the swoosh, you think of Nike. And of course, there are jingles, little songs, tunes that people write that remain in our heads. Like, the best part of waking up 
is Folgers in your cup. Yeah, I don't even drink Folgers, but I know it. Uh, and then this last one that I'm pretty sure is familiar to all of us. Like a good neighbor, I imagine all of you don't have State Farm, so uh, here's the thing about those good commercials, they stick with you. They're, they're memorable sentences, and you've probably heard them all before, and even if you don't use the product or eat the thing, it's there. It's something that kind of sits in your head, and from a marketing perspective, that means those slogans, those jingles, those things, they're doing their purpose. Now, here's the thing, I know that God is by no means in the marketing business. But I think that more often than not, his promises to us, in fact, I know that his promises to us are more effective than any slogan or jingle that you will ever hear. And in fact, those promises are why we return every week. We come back to hear and be reminded of the many promises of God. And that's what we're going to do this morning. In fact, in this morning's gospel lesson, you already heard and received some of those promises. You heard a very specific promise, in fact. Now, similar to some of those slogans and jingles, it was short, it's clear, it's very concise. But one thing that separates it from the rest of those is that the promise of God is always true. Now, uh, Jesus begins to kind of flesh this promise out for us, but it's very simple. It's only three words, in fact. Three words that will tell you more about your life and the world as we know it. Three words that have been true since the very beginning of time and will be true until the very last day. Three words, a promise from God that is true right here and right now for me and for you. The promise from God this morning that we hear from Jesus is this. God is working. Now, in our text this morning, Jesus is um, sitting with his disciples, and in fact, with a bit of a larger crowd, his disciples are always a little closer. And he begins to teach them, doing what he always does, which is parables. Now, parables, as I'm sure you've heard over the years, are stories that Jesus tells to invite his listeners to get a glimpse of what life is like in the kingdom of God. And uh, I had a seminary professor once kind of explain two different ways that Jesus often uses his parables. Um, and one of them is this. Sometimes, in his parables, Jesus will tell the story and give it a twist, or a surprise, or an unexpected discovery. But other times, Jesus uses parables to make a relatively straightforward comparison. Now in this morning's text, Jesus actually gives us two shorter parables, both of which have the latter function. Jesus gives us two short parables in which he is very direct and straightforward about what he is telling us. The promise that he delivers this morning, that he teaches his disciples, that he reminds us of, is very clear. And in fact, if you look at verse 26 and 27 where our text starts, you see that Jesus has been doing this throughout chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark. See, he starts in verse 26 saying, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. Now, something that's really unique about the Gospel of Mark is that um, as we read it, it's one of those Gospels that has a ton of action. And so throughout chapter 4, Jesus is using a lot of action. In fact, at the beginning of Mark 4, Jesus begins by telling the parable of the sower. The, the familiar parable that you've heard in the other Gospels as well. The one about the man who goes out 
and who sowed seeds in four different types of soil. And depending upon what's going on in the soil will depend upon the growth of the seed. So keeping with that same illustration here, Jesus is going on in verse 26. This time, though, Jesus changes the landscape, so to speak. He's now talking about what happens when someone sows seed in the kingdom of God. The field is much larger. And this man, the one who sows the seed, he goes out and he simply spreads the seed. Day and night. He spreads the seed. He goes to sleep. He wakes up and he spreads it again. It sprouts. It grows. He has no idea how. All he knows is that he is going to continue to spread this seed. And if you're wondering what the seed is, well, Jesus makes that clear too. In chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus says, The sower sows the word. So the seed here is not some sort of abstraction. Jesus is not trying to have you think about what's going on. Jesus fills in the blanks for us. The sower sows the word. Now there have probably been and will continue to be many times in your life that you will do something or say something or even wear something that says something about how Jesus has impacted your life. And it will impact the people around you. But you will never know. In fact, you won't even know what kind of impact it has. And if it were on us to make the seed grow, that wouldn't exactly be a good thing. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we know that, sure, sometimes we're good scatterers. We throw good seed. But most of the time, and perhaps more often than we would even admit, we don't exactly do a good job of scattering the seed, of spreading the word, of showing others how that word has been planted in our hearts. But thankfully, it's not about how well we scatter the seed or spread the word. It's about the one who does the work wherever and whenever the seed is sown. That is how it is in the kingdom of God. And so right here at the end of this first parable, we're reminded of that promise this morning. That God is working. And then again, Jesus continues, right? He, he has two parables for us. So he uses this same sort of seed illustration, this time getting really specific. He picks out the kind of seed he's talking about, and he uses a mustard seed. Now, if I had a mustard seed, for every time my dad used this illustration growing up, I'd have a lot of mustard. But uh, I imagine that if you haven't seen a mustard seed before, I thought about getting one for you, and then I realized that this sower's hands are a little chubby, so you probably couldn't see it. But I think that exemplifies the point of what Jesus is trying to do here. That you can't even see this seed. It's so small. He, in fact, says that when it's planted on the earth, it's the smallest of all the seeds. And yet, when it grows, it becomes the greatest of all shrubs. It provides shade and shelter for the birds in the air. But it starts out with the seed that you can barely see. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but sometimes it seems like the mustard seeds of faith that have been thrown and sown aren't really doing much growing, especially in regards to the church. Um, there are tons and tons of research and studies being done. Pastor Mark shared one with you a few weeks ago about how the church is declining. 
How the Christian church in the past five years or a decade now, especially in America, is continuously shrinking. That there is seemingly less and less people who believe in the gospel. That the numbers of Christians are certainly not on the rise. And my guess is, you probably don't need to do a deep dive into the numbers to know or think any of that. And perhaps... You've even seen it in your own personal life, with people around you, with people that you love and care for, even ones perhaps that you've dumped bags and bags of seeds upon. And the reality is that after a while, we grow weary, that we become uncertain about the seeds that we spread, that is the word actually working. We toss and toss seeds all day and night long, and yet they feel so small, almost invisible. We see this in the lives of people that we love, people that we've shared the word with, and even in our own lives. And yet here again is that promise that Jesus teaches and reminds us this morning, that God is working. That is his promise. That even with the smallest of seeds that you can't even see, that wherever you scatter them, he is working. That from the moment you are formed in the womb, God is working. From the time you take your first breath, God is working. In the moment when the water was poured out upon your head and the word of God was spoken over you, God is working. In the moment that you're falling asleep during the sermon, God is working. In the moment when you come forward, in fact, in just a few moments when you come forward to receive the body and blood of Christ, God is working. In the moment when you're dealing with temptation and weakness, struggling with sin, God is working. In the moments when you are weeping and filled with sadness and sorrow, God is working. In the moments when you are filled with joy and gladness, God is working. In the moments when you are filled with anxiety or depression, God is working. In the moments that you are calm and at peace, God is working. In the moments that you don't feel it, that you don't see it and that you question to believe it, God is working. In the moment in which his son's body was laid out upon the cross and his blood was being poured out, God is working. That is his promise to you. That is the promise that Jesus reminds us of this morning, that in the kingdom of God, right here and right now, as we breathe, God is working. And we don't need to know how or what or why, even though those may be the questions that we have. Because God's promise to us is this. That he's working. By faith, through the hearing of the word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is working. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, my hope and prayer for you is that this, along with the many other promises of God, is one that you remember. That every time, you hear the word of God, whether in this church 
or in your head as you're on your walk or on the radio or as you scatter that word to others. You remember that God is working. May this be the lens through which you see the world around you. Because at all times and in all places, God is working. As I close this morning, I want to invite all of us to remind ourselves of that great promise. I want you to say those words with me, to say that God is working. We'll do that together here on the count of three. One, two, three. God is working. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.